It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, October 12, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly meets tonight, two new members will be sworn in, but not before the current Assembly considers a final vote to sell the former Sitka Community Hospital building. The sale of the hospital went out to a public advisory vote in the municipal election last week. Around two-thirds of Sitka voters supported the sale of the building to the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium for $8.25 million. Search says it plans to expand its long-term care facilities and build a residential apartment complex on the property. After the body considers the hospital sale and remaining old business, it will certify the municipal election results, swearing in new member Dave Miller and incumbent Kevin Mosier. The group will also recognize outgoing Assembly member Valerie Nelson with a service award. In other business, the Assembly will consider including Klingit land acknowledgement on its agenda at future meetings. If approved, the acknowledgement would be recited by the mayor at every meeting. The Assembly will also hear an update from researchers on the status of the landslide warning system that's in development. The Sitka Assembly meets at 6 p.m. tonight at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Raven News will broadcast the meeting live following Alaska News Nightly. Angoon reported 29 new coronavirus cases over the last week. It's the biggest outbreak the southeast community of around 500 people has experienced since the pandemic began. As of October 8th, Angoon had 10 active cases, but that number more than doubled over the weekend, according to Mayor Doris Williams. We had 24 last week, and then over the weekend we got five more. So, yes, we have 29 cases. And they haven't reported to us that any have recovered. While the outbreak has not been traced to any single event, Williams says the majority of positive cases were tied to close contact. It's just basically the five families, and they're all friends, and they all get together, go camping together, do everything together. Williams suspects there may be more people in the community who are positive for the virus but have yet to get tested. She says while most of the positive patients have been following COVID safety guidelines, she's concerned others have been less careful. As of now, there's a bunch of them that are quarantining because they want to keep people safe, and then there's some that are out and about. And I only know that because people are calling me, telling me, you know, this person has somebody tested positive and they're out and about. There are a few that are really doing good and really staying to themselves, but there are a few that are not listening. The city has yet to implement a formal COVID mitigation plan, but is asking the community to mask up and follow strict social distancing guidelines, especially in anticipation of Halloween. I hope everybody stopped moving so that this can go away. Because Halloween is coming up. Our kids deserve a Halloween. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Angoon has seen a total of 51 positive cases and one death. Six new COVID cases were reported in Sitka over the weekend. Three of the cases were reported on Friday, one case reported on Saturday, and two more tallied on Sunday. That makes 23 cases over the last week, keeping Sitka's COVID alert level high. The community's alert level will drop from high to substantial when fewer than nine cases are reported over a seven-day period. Yakutat reported one new coronavirus case Monday, according to a press release from the Yakutat Department of Public Safety. It's the first case reported in the community since October 1st. It's the only active case and is most likely travel-related. The middle and high school, which have been closed since late last month, will remain closed for in-person learning until October 13th. 
While there's currently no mask mandate in place, the city is asking that citizens mask up, follow social distancing guidelines, and take extra precautions when traveling outside of the community. Conservative elected officials and activists are pushing to remove obstacles to Alaskans getting access to ivermectin. They're frustrated that many pharmacists refuse to fill prescriptions for the unproven COVID-19 treatment. Alaska public health officials have already invested a huge amount of time and energy convincing residents that ivermectin isn't a wonder drug. But as Nat Herz with Alaska Public Media reports, residents and elected officials haven't given up trying to get it. Before I get any further into this story, I need to give you a few basic facts about ivermectin. The drug is approved for human use to treat certain parasites and skin conditions, and it's been shown to be effective against COVID in a lab setting. But actual human trials have given mixed results. One study ended up being retracted amid plagiarism allegations, and the drug is not approved by the federal government as a COVID-19 treatment. The big problem with the drug, according to Coleman Cutchins, a state health department pharmacist, is that it distracts from measures proven to be effective, namely the vaccines. At this point, anyone who claims to be creating medical guidance and they don't have vaccine as their number one recommended tool are pushing this information. Okay, now take a trip with me to the halls of Zoom, where the state pharmacy board was meeting a few weeks ago. I will say whatever room Representative McCarty is in looks very comfortable on a fall day. That's board chair Justin Ruffridge, a Kenai Peninsula pharmacist. He was addressing one of three Republican state representatives who took the unusual step of testifying about ivermectin at the pharmacy board's meeting. Here's Kevin McCabe of Big Lake, who said he's been hearing from doctors and physician assistants in his district. I have to say how frustrated they are when they issue a prescription and the pharmacy will not fill it because it's ivermectin. The representatives weren't the only ones making this point. Two of Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy's appointees to the State Commission on Aging also called in, including Mike Coons, a conservative activist from the Matsu. Coons is vaccinated, but when he was exposed to a neighbor who got COVID, his doctor was willing to prescribe ivermectin and another drug that federal agencies caution against using called hydroxychloroquine. So Coons asked a local Fred Meyer pharmacy if they'd fill those prescriptions in the event he got sick. And here's how he says they responded. Oh, no, we can't do that. Why not? Well, because, you know, we, we're, we're worried about liability uh, and, and, we're, and we're being told by the CDC that if we, that, that if we dispense it, that we're going to lose our license. I said, what? I said, that's garbage. Kuhn says he realized later that it's the state pharmacy board, not the CDC, that has licensing authority, which is why he and others have asked the board to make it clear that pharmacists should be filling doctors' prescriptions. If you're going to operate in the state of Alaska under a state of Alaska licensure, when a doctor gives a prescription, they get that prescription out to that patient. No questions asked other than what they're supposed to be normally asking. But board members at the meeting sounded uninterested in putting pressure on pharmacists who don't want to sign off on ivermectin prescriptions. Instead, Ruffridge, the board's chair, pointed testifiers toward a draft Q&A document that highlights medical and pharmacist associations' positions. They opposed dispensing the drug outside of a clinical trial. He also noted that some doctors are prescribing dangerously high amounts of ivermectin. Once we start going outside of recommended dosing and, and durations, we certainly put ourselves um, 
a bit in the crosshairs for that. Less than a week after the meeting, Ruffridge sent a letter to the three representatives saying that pharmacists can fill or decline prescriptions for ivermectin based on their professional judgment. And he says multiple deaths and hospitalizations associated with ivermectin treatment for COVID should give prescribers and pharmacists pause. In Anchorage, I'm Nat Hurst. The second Monday of October marks Indigenous Peoples Day. Anchorage marked the day by opening a newly renovated park downtown, featuring Denina Athabaskan design elements. As Alaska Public Media's Kavitha George reports, the park known as Frontierland Park will also be getting a new name. Several dozen people gathered at a small park in South Edition across from the downtown park strip on Monday morning to celebrate the revamped community space and the greater visibility of Native culture in Anchorage. The park includes whimsical design features that were inspired by Denina Athabaskan culture, including beluga whale sculptures for children to play on and porcupine quill patterns on the playground surfaces. Several politicians were present at the opening, including members of the Anchorage Assembly, state legislature, and former Governor Bill Walker, who signed Indigenous Peoples Day into law in 2017. Aaron Leggett, president of the native village of Aklutna, thanked the community for committing to recognizing Anchorage's first people. Take support like you guys coming out and voting for bonds and and all those wonderful things to make it happen so that Anchorage can uh, truly honor and celebrate uh, its rich history that includes the indigenous people. Funding for the renovations came from several grants and a 2017 voter-approved bond. Michael Fredericks, president of interior design firm SALT, was involved in the Indigenous Design Committee that worked with Parks and Recreation to shape the renovations. Fredericks is Alaska native of Yupik descent. She's proposing naming the space Conchi Park, taken from the Denina word for porcupine, instead of the current name Frontierland, which she says feels outdated. And really to, to tear that away and say... This is it. We're in a new day, you know, that all of our history is important. Not only that, you know, we were colonized and all these things happened, but also 10,000 years ago, people were here doing amazing things and got us here today. Fredericks hopes that involving an Indigenous Advisory Committee could serve as a model across the city for integrating Native cultural elements into parks and other public spaces. She says Native culture wasn't made visible when she was growing up in Anchorage, and she's excited that's changing. We just didn't celebrate it. We celebrated as a family, but it wasn't like something that was celebrated by people of other cultures outwardly, not like this at all. So. You know, I'm only 44, so that's not that long ago that I was 10 years old. And for to have such a change in 35 years is pretty incredible. You know, like my kid won't ever know shame or uh, need to act like anything. You know, that's a big deal. Reporting in Anchorage, I'm Kavitha George. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is morning.